So turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. These last few weeks I've been uh, belaboring. Many of you maybe think I've been belaboring the point that God is our Father. Um, And I want to confess to you that as a pastor... um, not just that I have the same opportunities to pray as anyone does. God is always available for us to speak with Him in prayer. But also other opportunities to lead in prayer. I've noticed over and over again that I tend to acknowledge that God is the high and lifted up one. But sometimes miss the fact that He is uh, in, re- I'm in relationship with Him as a father is. As children and a father come together, as we can speak with our daddy, uh, that we don't have to clean up our words. Uh, we don't have to even have these complete thoughts that everything's understood, but that we pour out our heart before our daddy. And that uh, he wants that kind of relationship with us. He wants us to acknowledge that with him in prayer. Uh, Jesus was speaking and he was calling on this group of people, explaining how different this was going to be than the religiosity that they were accustomed to. And he called on them to pray in a different way. And we're in the middle of talking about this here in Matthew 6. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from verse 9 down through verse 15. And God's word says this, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Let's pray. God, I ask uh, you being our Father that you would direct our thoughts. Teach us to pray, we ask. We ask that you would work in us and Remove any thoughts that uh, of pride that would stand in the way of us caring about you, of needing you, of, of calling out, crying out to you. God, do your work now in us through your Holy Spirit, we pray. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we come to this passage, um, I may confuse you more than um, I want to, but... I want to talk to you, maybe some of you have noticed in your Bibles, if you don't have the English Standard Version or a couple other versions, do a little bit different things with the end of verse 13. Um, I want you to look down at that now. Um, how we got our Bible, I just want to talk to you about it just a little bit now, just a, just a little bit. Um, as we receive, we have the Word of God in our hands Uh, How did we get it here? Well, it goes like this, that God inspired men to write, uh, write his message, that his message intended for his people. Uh, God inspired a message, so he uh, took men and they wrote it down. As 
a group of people that the first intended audience got that, they understood that this was a message from God. And so if you have one copy and it's, uh, uh, this is a message from God, understanding its value, they made copies of it, made copies of it. And as time went on, those copies got copied and so on and so forth and spread throughout the land where the Bible uh, was first uh, written in the intended audience. And it just kind of went out from there. How we have our scripture now is that all those copies that we have, we have put together and compiled and understood the message uh, from God. Uh, some have said, and uh, I'll talk about it in a moment, that God wrote a book. God wrote a book. And you say, well, that kind of makes me nervous that we don't have the original copy, like the one that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote. And what I would tell you is that we are confident because of the pieces that we put together that we have the message that Jesus wrote to us, that, that God has intended for us. In this particular passage, um, there's a question at the end of verse um, 13. Uh, some of you may have picked up on this, that it, in some Bibles it has written, I know the New King James, I believe the King James as well, as for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. A typical uh, ending to a prayer like this. Uh, it's not written in some of the manuscripts. And so uh, the English Standard Version leaves it out. And my assumption is that that is what God intended for it to be left out. I don't know that. Um, as I... As I give this to you, some of you are getting nervous and you're saying, well, we do or we don't have the Word of God. We do. In fact, um, as as I say this, I want you to know that Jesus might have even said that, uh, but it not be recorded. And you say, well, wasn't everything that Jesus said recorded? No. Uh, he, uh, he was not uh, recorded verbatim every word that He said just the words that God intended for us to remain and to understand were recorded. And so there were other things that Jesus said, probably even in this sermon, uh, as he shared with these people. I, I realized that what I've just shared with you doesn't do the topic justice. It uh, doesn't do the topic justice. And so if you're interested, I want to recommend to you two books. Uh, the first one is God Wrote a Book uh, by James MacDonald. It's a very easy read, uh, and so if you're, you're saying, you know, I, I don't have a lot of time to read, and I'd like to read more, uh, that would be a good book. There's also another book uh, that I would encourage you about. It's called From God to Us by Norm Geisler. Uh, if you think you're really smart, uh, you can read that one, um, and then you'll probably buy that one, and then you'll read through it, and then you'll get the other one that's a little bit easier. Um, not saying anything about Bear Valley Church uh, when I say that. Then, anyways, those are a couple of uh, uh, resources that you can look through. God has uh, written to us. He's given us a message. And this morning, I want to direct us to the message of prayer. That Jesus was calling on the people. He says, I want you, I want you to pray. You have this access to the Father. You, you have this opportunity to pray. And this morning, uh, 
I want us to remember that it is our Father that we're talking to. It's not just a, a God who's high and lifted up. It's not just someone who doesn't care, but it's our Father. And so as we look at these three things that He calls on us to pray for, um, we're really praying, Father, provide. Please, please provide this for me, Father. My Daddy, I need this. And the three things go like this. Verse 11. Let's, let's look at verse 11 together. Give us this day our daily bread. Um, what's he asking for here? Food. What are you going to eat today? What are you going to eat today? Some of you go, you're getting nervous already, right? You don't know. What are you going to eat? Some of you are confidently, uh, you're confident, even though you don't know what you're going to eat. You say, well, I'll go home. I'll go home. And what will you do? You'll do the teenage thing. Where you just go and you, you open up the refrigerator and you just kind of stand there. You just kind of stand there with it open because you don't care about electric bills. You're in high school. And uh, depending on who you are, I used to kind of tip it my way and just shake it. And so all of it would come out and clean that place out. But uh, y- y- you know that there's food. In fact, uh, some of you, you have a refrigerator and then you might have a, a secondary refrigerator or a freezer. Um Last summer, I, we, Rebecca and I, we had talked about buying a, a freezer, and so I bought one without her approving it. And you can fit about a family of four inside of this. It's huge. Um, and so when it comes to food, uh, you know, there's a sense in which you say, well, what are we going to eat? Well, we'll figure out something. It's not a big deal. I'm good, you know. We're good for a while. Um, And yet Jesus instructed us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. If we were in biblical times with no refrigeration, really the idea of not having such excess as we do now, one of the greatest things in life that people struggled with was just having and finding food. And so as they woke up in the morning, part of their day would have been finding food, providing for their family. That, that idea that what are we going to eat today? As you think about that, you think, well, I don't really think about that all that much. I just have it. I just have it. I have a job. I have money in the bank. I have food in, in my house. I have a roof over my head. I have electricity coming through. Everything's fine. So why would I pray? Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus brings up an important point that we need to acknowledge and should acknowledge both in asking as well as thanking the one who provided for us. What he's saying for us to do is say, Father, provide for me food. Provide for my needs. I I, I have needs that, that you are to provide, Father. I need you to provide. We struggle with this, don't we? But why, why do you have food at your house? Why do you have money in your bank account? Why do you have a roof over your head, a car to drive? Most of us think of those things and say, well, I worked for them. 
figured it out. I planned for it. Paid my bills. They took my money to the, the store to get my food. And then I brought it back to my house and I cooked it on my stove. And then I ate it. And then I enjoyed my life. And that misses one super important point of any provision that you have. Is that you have a heavenly father. You have a father who loves you very much. And he provides for you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that he provides for you? Uh, some of you don't believe me that it's amazing that God provides for you. So I grew up in Santa Barbara. We had a couple of acres and we had an avocado orchard and lemons. And in many days, um, I just walked out on our property, just kind of, you know, doing whatever, you know, throwing lemons at the neighbor's dog and stuff like that. And, and you know, from time to time, I would stumble upon uh, ants, an anthill. And you look down at the ants and you go, Look at them all. How many are there? The boy, you just kind of count them. Maybe sometimes you get the magnifying glass out. You know, you do the ant magnifying glass thing. And you're looking at them, and ultimately, you know, you just kind of step on them and you you walk away. You forget about them. You're like, eh, they're just ants. Who cares? That isn't enough distance between us and God. And that our Heavenly Father cares about us. Do you, do you realize how insignificant we are right now? You live in Tehachapi. How do you spell that? I mean, in, in the world right now, when you think of great places where significant people live, Tehachapi doesn't make the top ten. And, and when you think about all the people, even you, you look and you compare yourself, you go, boy, I'm, I'm insignificant. I'm nothing special. And what does it mean that our heavenly father says, call upon me to provide for you? I think it's interesting, too, that he says, provide for me daily bread, not uh, a home that will last for 50 years. The thing about a meal, uh, and most of you love to eat. You like a good meal. You, you love uh, something that tastes good, that, that's part of that group of foods that you like. And you, you get excited sometimes for a great meal and you sit down and you enjoy the meal. But the problem with the meal is this. Three to four hours later, you're going to want some more, right? And it's over. And, and you had a good meal, and two weeks later, that meal doesn't matter with what meal is going to happen two weeks from then, right? There's no sense of security to that meal. And so you take this insignificant thing of daily bread, and you, you connect it with a loving Heavenly Father that loves you and wants you to talk to Him about that. And He says... I will reach down. I will bend down. And take care of your most insignificant temporal need. Isn't that amazing? That your heavenly father loves you like that? That he would first listen to you. And then he would listen to you about the simplest things of your life. 
That's amazing to me. That our Father loves us that much. I want to point out to you too that it's a gift of God. As you look at this prayer, um, you realize that He gives to us. He, he's a giver to us. I, I think so often uh, we we feel like He owes us something, right? Of course God's got to provide for me. He made me, so I'm like you know, His dependent, you know. And so He just has to give me good things, and that's just His problem. You know, I'm His problem. The picture here is this, that God being God, him being uh, the most important, the, even the, the focal point of prayer up to this point, he's the one that's important, not us. And so as uh, we look at this, we realize that he gifts us in his provision. Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have a car? Do you have a job? It's a gift. You have something to do. If you have your health, it's a gift. If you have a meal to go, it's a gift. It's his provision for you. It's not that which you deserve. And so his first call to us as of things that we are to get, he says, Father, Father, provide for me food. Provide for me my simplest of needs. And so we come to verse 12. He's really giving us three things that he is calling on us to pray for, to ask God, our Heavenly Father, to provide. Verse 12 says, And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. So what are we calling on our Father to provide for us? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Father, forgive me. Well, what are we forgiving? He uses the word debt there. Uh, most of us know about debt. Uh, probably is, is a huge topic in our culture today of, of having debt and how much debt and whose debt. And, uh, but he uses this term debt as the issue of sin. And so he says, Father, I need your forgiveness for my sins and, and and an issue being here of our debt of our debt specifically and so as Jesus was looking to these people he was saying as you pray call upon your heavenly father to take care of your own personal sins the things that you've done wrong it's this picture of a math term you know it's a math problem how many sins have you committed by the way I'm not asking categories. I'm asking how many times have you sinned? Don't get out the calculator. How about the supercomputer, right? Many. And the picture being that if they were all written down, each and every one of them in detail, clearly there would be a a compiled debt that you would have. And as you think about that, you think about, well, um, owing a lot of money would be thousands of dollars or millions of dollars or, you know, you get past a million. Who cares at that point, right? You know, there's a sense of overwhelming. You're just overwhelmed. There's no way I can get out of it. That, that's the picture of your debt. 
Um, it's specific to you as well. It's interesting. He uses this math thing and math is great. Like it has a greatness to it that other subjects do not. I don't know. How many of you like math here today? Math. You know, there's something great about math. I didn't particularly like math, but as an appreciation uh, in the future, you, you understand some of the greatness of math. The greatness of math is two plus two equals four. And it's right if it's four, right? It's wrong if it's five. And there's a simplicity to it. It's one of the subjects where you know you're right or wrong based on the answer. And Jesus, as he refers to our sin and us praying about it, he's talking about a math problem. And he says, you have a debt. You have a debt. It's a math problem. He didn't talk about it in uh, literary terms. You know, uh, it, it wasn't about an interpretation of what happened there. I just need to kind of interpret it differently. You know, you think it was sin, but I, I really didn't think it was sin. It was just a different idea. He didn't bring up philosophical terms and, you know, the idea of grand thoughts and deep thoughts where people are like, well, that action, you know, came from a motive that we really don't know and different places and different times and different cultures that would be wrong. But in this culture, it's right and so on and so forth. These are deep thoughts. And if you just think deeper about it, it's really not that bad. Jesus says, call upon your father. To forgive your debts. This beautiful picture once again of going to your heavenly father. And saying I'm guilty. I'm guilty of of the sins that I've committed. Please forgive me. The beauty of this is that he's the only one that can do this. No one can pay the bills that I've created in my own sin. But our Father who loves us can cancel those debts, can take care of them. And interestingly enough, that He was, He would take care of them in the person that was speaking these words to them. He connects uh, forgiveness, and we're going to talk about this more next week. But He connects forgiveness of our sins with forgiveness of those who have sinned against us. The picture here is this, that we have debts uh, between God and us. We have sinned against him. It wasn't our mom's fault or our dad's fault or this culture's fault that we have sinned. We have a debt with him. But not just that, that others have a tab with us, right? That we've been ha- having pressure put on us. We'll talk about this in a moment. But, but that others have sinned against us. And he connects the two. That, that there are debts that we have with the Father. That need to be taken care of by Him. And there are also those who have sinned against us. That we are called to forgive as well. We'll talk about this next week. So he, he calls on the Father to do what? To provide forgiveness of sins. We move down to verse 13. He says this, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
As you look at God's word and you, you think this through, as you're you're, you're speaking with the Father, uh, you need. You need Him to take care of the simple needs of your life. You need to take care of the the debt that no one can take care of. And now He turns to today and He says, And lead us not into temptation. We sometimes struggle with this picture of that God would lead anyone into temptation. We combine it even with the book of James that says that God tempts or tests no one. He doesn't lead people into that. The, the the call for us to call to the Father, it, it acknowledges that He directs our steps. And that we're asking the Father to not lead us to sin, but lead us away from sin. That we would have a path that would be far from evil. And then He uses the word that He would deliver us from evil. What's the world you're living in right now what is going on i think so often about uh life would be simple if it was just the actions that i had to do i feel like there's other things going on though it's interesting to me uh if you've ever watched a basketball game college game or professional game you you get to the the point in the game especially if you're the the uh, the team the, the visiting team and they come to the end of, of the game and there's free throws to be shot and the the players sweating and their their hearts beating because they've been running and they give them the ball and they bounce it a couple of times and they look up and as you see it on the TV what ha- what do you see you see the opposing fans yelling and screaming and waving and making noise why they want them to miss. They want them to miss. That doesn't sound very nice, by the way. Why do they want them to miss? Because they want them to fail. Why do they want them to fail? Because they want to beat them. They want to win the game. They don't want them to succeed. This is the picture to me of what is going on in the world right now. As you seek to follow after God, as you seek to live for Him, to walk with Him, This is what's happening. We live in a world of evil that's pushing in on us. Uh, This is why uh, the game of golf is a bit ridiculous. Shh, I'm putting. I'm putting right now. I'm trying to live for God right now. Could you not try to distract me? You know, could could I somehow get a perfect environment? Can I have a do-over, by the way? I didn't didn't do very well. I, I just, you know, it's difficult, right? It's difficult. And the picture here is for us as God's people in relationship with the Father. No offense to those who golf here this morning. Um, In relationship with the Father, he says, pray that God would deliver you. That he he would give you the strength. From what? Deliver you from the evil of this world. So, Father, uh, we ask that you would deliver us this day. I look at this, these prayers, these three things that we are going to the Lord for. You know, we need them every day, every day. We need God to provide for our needs every day. We need God to provide us forgiveness for the sins that we've committed every day. 
And we need him to direct our steps to, to provide the deliverance that the world that's pushing in on us, that's pressing in every day. So we tie up this section. Uh, we'll talk next week about forgiveness uh, with God and man. But I just want to give you one last point. I, I want to tell you this, that, that you and I, that you and I, we need our Father. We need our Father. You and I, we need our fa- Father for everything. For everything. I feel like so often I go through my day and I go, I, I got it, Dad. I got it. I don't need you. I've done this before. I, I've prepared. I, I don't need your help. I don't need your provision for my simple needs. I, I, you know, I really didn't sin that last time either. I don't need your forgiveness for what I've done. And I definitely don't need your protection. I've got this day taken care of. And the different picture that Jesus gives us is he says, you need your heavenly father for everything. For everything. Uh as I go through this passage, I feel like that this idea that we would go through this prayer, that we would understand that, that we have a Heavenly Father, that this would be good for our prayer life because we would realize this relationship, we'd cherish it. And I hope that as we work this through in the weeks to come, that we would quickly and confidently go before our Heavenly Father and we'd ask Him for His participation We'd expect it. We'd cry out for his participation in our lives. Let's pray.